0: One of the greatest challenges in life is how to rebuild after loss, how to reclaim and experience rebirth after we've been violated, after we've been traumatized, after something may have been destroyed. Tonight is Tishabov, the saddest day in the Jewish calendar, representing and personifying destruction on all levels. However, the good news is that within the destruction, within the challenges lies the birth of hope, reconciliation, and building something even greater than what was there before. Please join me in this vital discussion, how to comfort and be comforted, a a five-step plan to building empathy Hi, this is Simon Jacobson and fitting for this evening, Tishabov, we will be speaking about how to comfort and be comforted a five step plan to building empathy. This program is dedicated by Rick and Belinda Pugh. May the temple be rebuilt speedily in our days. So, honoring this day of the year, which is considered the saddest day in the calendar, in the Jewish calendar. But it's really a universal sadness because it represents the destruction of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, which is essentially a form of dissonance and disconnect between ourselves and our purpose, between the divine and between existence, between heaven and earth. On a personal level, it's that element of when we feel disconnected, when we feel like we don't belong. And that's on a mild version. If you amplify it, it is actually the root of all dissonance, of all trauma, of all loss, of all destruction. So let's talk about how you deal with it. It's one of the greatest challenges in life, is how to rebuild after something has been destroyed. It could be a relationship. It could be internally in our own personal psyche. It could be between parents and children. It could be between spouses, between friends, between strangers. We all know that especially today, perhaps unprecedented, a tremendous yearning, longing for healing, for recovery The level of opioid use, addictions of all sorts, whether it's physical, psychological, a crisis in intimacy, in relationships, sexuality—I mean, the list goes on. Many people are in denial and avoid the issue altogether. Others who can no longer be in denial are addressing it, whether it's through therapy. Whether it's through medication, other means. But clearly, the human being and the human condition has always experienced fatigue, has always sought relief. But for some reason, it sounds, and maybe this is due to technology, maybe because we're all aware of everybody else's misery, it seems everywhere. We're not naive to suggest that this is a new phenomenon in our times. And I'm not here to analyze the changes. Some argue the same issues happened throughout history. They just take on a different shape and form when you're living through it. But what's relevant is mostly our own lives. And what better time to discuss dissonance, to discuss disconnect, to discuss fragmentation and disjointedness, even in the most... In the mildest forms, as I mentioned, and of course in the more extreme forms than this evening tonight. It's interesting that Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, is the ninth ninth day of the month. The mystics teach that the full circle, the complete spectrum of life, is ten. Three cognitive faculties, seven emotional ones, and that's on the conscious level. Ten. The superconscious has also ten. Nine means something is missing. What's missing? What's the missing one? Dignity. In the Kabbalistic terminology of the spheres, malchut, a sense of kingship. Feeling like a king, like a queen, like a prince, like a princess. Feeling special, unique. The single most vital component in human life you can be brilliant you could be emotionally developed but if you don't feel dignity if you feel your dignity has been violated has been abused has in some way been hurt there's something missing no matter what type of other tools you have so it's about the rebuilding the restoration of dignity is the key to all healing because when we're hurt In any possible way, whether it's a loss, whether it's at the hands of another person, whether it's our own hands, or it's at the hands of the divine, of God. What is most affected is your dignity, your self-esteem, your self-value. Pain creates isolation, detachment, disconnection. And what's the opposite of disconnection? Connection, love. And you see a human being thrives on connection. Without it, we cannot exist. Nine months of our lives, I would say, not just of our lives, of our formative lives, were formed. The fetus develops those nine months in our mother's womb, completely encompassed, completely connected, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, the umbil- umbilical cord, feeding, drinking, breathing, experiencing everything your mother has experienced. For nine months, submerged in embryonic waters. Literally like living underwater, in the waters of your mother's womb. And then when we're born and the umbilical cord is cut, we're still so dependent on the nurturing, on the, on, the, on the love, on the nourishment, like a flower being watered. And when you don't water a flower, it begins to wither. So our very essence, our very beings, our very self is defined by connection. Anything that severs that connection, even on a mild form and definitely on an extreme form, is not just disorienting and disconcerting, but it's disruptive and it affects our very sense of self. Obviously, if it's sustained abandonment or sustained disconnect, then obviously the effect is going to be deeper. And then we'll look for alternatives to find the connection. And the alternatives are not always healthy ones. Just like a very thirsty person, must drink. Whatever comes your way. If it's toxic, it's toxic. So when a person does experience that type of disconnect, isn't it? the solution is to reconnect. But can reconnect to healthy things. If you become addicted or dependent on something unhealthy for connection, it gets more difficult because now you have to break that habit. But the good news again It's about rechanneling, redirecting, harnessing the connection to the wrong things to connect to the right things. So there is a time-tested formula how to comfort and be comforted. Five-step process to building empathy. But the key thing to remember, it's not about empathy alone. It's an empathy that's focused on building. It's an empathy focused on rebuilding your life. Stronger than ever before. So let's go through this process. We'll call it the five R's. The five step process. The five R's. The first R. Reach out. Reach. The second is recognition. The third, reunion, rebirth. The fourth, rebuilding. And the fifth, renewal. So let's first talk about empathy in general. And then we'll talk about this five-step plan to building empathy. How to comfort and how to be comforted. And you'll see, it's far more sophisticated than just helping someone feel a little better, relieving their pain, feeling there's someone there with you. It's actually about connection. That's what it comes down to. That's what empathy is. I don't know if you're fascinated, as I am, by the concept of mirror neurons. Recently, been discovered, it's been talked about over the years, but recently a lot of talk about mirror neurons. That we mirror each other's neurons. That means there's something that fundamentally connects us. The classic example is a painful example, actually. If you see someone from a distance about to close the trunk of a car on their fingers, or close a door, you'll cringe. Ooh. You're not even there, you're not feeling it. But for some reason, we identify with what's about to happen. And we mirror those neurons. That's a classic example of true empathy. There's something about us, not just a matter of compassion, you feel bad for someone, you feel pity. There's something about us that connects us, that we identify with another person's pain and also with their joy. Why is this so critical? Because it means that we're fundamentally not separate entities. As I said, we all began connected, a mother's womb. You can say your soul is connected to its divine source. The expression being the soul of a human being is the flame of God, the divine flame. What's a flame? A flame is always seeking to connect to its source. Look at two flames, look how they reach to each other. That's the natural and healthy approach to life, connection. And that's why when we see some, something happen to someone, unless we black out that feeling through our own narcissism or selfishness, we will identify, because that's the first step in all healing. It's the connection what happens when a person is hurt you'll see they'll often go to their own room they'll roll up in a curl up in a fetal position to protect themselves they'll isolate themselves for many reasons shame no one will understand me nobody wants to be bothered by my problems something's wrong with me it's part of the process that abusers actually use the isolation that comes the silence that follows anything painful is far worse than the actual crime where they say the silence was worse than the crime to put it more graphically the silence was worse than the rape because it was a type of not allowing yourself to connect to others you see children one of the first signs is a problem when they're suddenly not going to school or they're not wanting to hang out with friends and they keep them very private. So the first step in all empathy is allowing that connecting neural, neural, I was going to say neurology, but I meant neuronology, the mirror neurons, to embrace and allow that connection to emerge. Do not allow yourself to be isolated. Reach out to someone, to a friend, to a relative, someone you trust, obviously. And the same is the other way. That's to be comforted and also to comfort someone else. Obviously, you have to respect people's boundaries. But to not ignore, to not be aloof and cold, but to see you see someone in somewhat pain, do something, reach to them. Now, this is more than just the right thing to do to help somebody in need. It's actually a healing a process, a first step in a healing process, the this, this step of reconnecting. So it's another R, reconnecting. And that's through reaching, reconnect. On a very basic level, as I said, it means that if you are in that place, don't isolate yourself, or at least not entirely. Reach out to someone, talk to someone about what has happened. You can't, be, you can't imagine, you'll be surprised to find out, that, that alone is quite powerful. And the same thing the other way around, When you see someone in a situation like that, make sure to reach to them as well. Create the connection. Start reconnecting. Because that's what all trauma, all loss, it creates a disconnect. So it's a form of love and a form of caring. And that means in order to do so, you have to also get beyond your ego. That's the first trap. What does ego do? Ego separates. Soulfulness connects. My needs, my life, separate from yours. So we all have our boundaries, but especially when there's pain, then there needs to be an additional measure of reconnection. That's step number one. So you can say step number one, I said reach out, you could also say reconnect. Step two in this plan of comfort and become to be comforted, to comfort and be comforted. Step two in this five-step plan of empathy. And that is recognition. So it's not just a connection now. It's also a validation. It's an acknowledgement. And it's an awareness of an issue. I mentioned before, silence is worse than the crime. One of the reasons for that is because it's one thing you've been hurt. And then you cry about it. You speak up. But if you're silenced, you're told nothing happened. It's your fault. Or you're making it up. That's one of the worst things you can do to a person because it's invalidating even their ability to cry. So that acknowledgement, recognizing that recognition that there's something to address, As they say, the awareness of a problem is half its cure. So this goes beyond just reconnecting and reaching out. Now we're talking about actually recognizing. Tell me what happened. The person often will be quiet. For whatever reason, they don't want to be blamed. They may not, they feel guilty about informing on someone else. They've been made to feel guilty. They feel there'll be consequences. They may feel judged. Please talk to me. Let them feel that you can talk, that they can talk to you without judgment, without critique. And that's something people feel if you allow them to. It may take time. Let people go at their pace, but make sure that you affirm and recognize their dignity. They're, allo- they're allowed to cry. You don't have to be happy all the time. I cried, you can cry. Let's cry together. It could be a physical cry. It could be an emotional cry. So what you're doing is validating. You're recognizing the person. Don't ever underestimate the value of that. So that's step number two. And that, too, is done in very practical terms. You have to take the time and the patience. I can't tell you how many children, over that matter, adults, The most difficult part, no one gave them the time of day. They were hurt, ignored. Even when they reached out, people didn't really respond, either because people are busy or uncomfortable or it's awkward. Let's just make the time. You can't imagine the value that that has. A person feels, wow, you've made time to sit with me. Even without saying anything. Your time is valuable. The person recognizes. You've made time. I'm important enough for you to care about. As I said in our mother's womb, whether her mother likes it or not, <laughs> that's the fact. The child is being cared for all the time. What do you think that does to the DNA, to the very psyche, the very superconscious or unconscious of the child? That somebody cares. Somebody's here for me. Unconditionally. That's all part of step two. Recognition. So when you have, number one, the reaching out, the reconnect, and now the recognition of the person, and the recognition of their pain, and the recognition that you're allowed to feel something, you're allowed to feel upset, you're allowed to feel hurt, that is rebuilding the person's dignity, their malchus. That's rebuilding the tenth dimension that's missing from the nine. Just as a qualification, it's important also, if a person is, for example, overwhelmed and completely consumed with the thing that happened to them, whatever it may be, so we'll never minimize, but sometimes you have to also be able to help that person do something to recognize that you're not defined by what happens, which leads me into step number three, and that is reunion or rebirth. So this is already more than just reconnecting and more than recognition. You're now talking about helping a person reconnect, reunite, I should say, reborn, be reborn after there's been a mini-death, after there's been a severing. So this isn't just connecting with you. You've connected with the person, shown them time of day, recognized, validated, given them the dignity, respect. Respect is another R you can throw into the picture, but now you want to help them build. And this starts with reconnecting with themselves, reuniting and being reborn. What does that mean? One of the most important things to remember in all healing and recovery, maybe we can call this the five R's of recovery, is one of the most important things to remember is that you are not defined by the trauma that you experienced. You're not defined by your suffering. You're not defined by your pain. The emotional reaction we have when something hurts us is that we can't separate between ourselves and what happened to us. But that's vital. And it takes time, and it takes work, and that's one of the objective roles of the person who's comforting. And the one that is being comforted is to comfort by showing that there's a separation. You are a beautiful person. Something not so beautiful happened to you. That doesn't change who you are. Why is this so vital? Because we have to hold on to that pilot flame. If a person feels they're so contaminated and polluted to their core, what are you working with? When people say, for me it's too late, I'm damaged goods, things have happened, I can't change things. That's giving up on a part of yourself. That step three is beginning to ignite. That's why we call it reunion, rebirth. How to do that, we'll discuss in a moment. But the step here is to separate between what happened to you and who you are. A person can suffer greatly, but you're not a sufferer. A person can be hurt, but you're not a victim. You're a pure soul that entered into a world that can be toxic, can be hostile, can be dark, and that darkness and hostility and toxicity can affect you. But it's not you. It's just like when a person, let's say, consumes something toxic, something poisonous. You have to pump it out. That's not you. The healthy body has to spit it out. Person gets burned, God forbid, or hurt. Whether it's superficial or deeper, but it's not you. You have not you are not the, you are not the, the wound. The wound has happened to you. You're not the wound. You're a healthy soul that has experienced something that is challenging or problematic. This is the process of reuniting with that part of yourself. In the morning prayer we say, the soul you have returned to me, the soul you've given me is pure. One second, there are many things that happen to us that are not so pure. But your essence remains pure. Was it the early 70s when they first coined the expression the inner child? It means that no matter what happens to you through your child and through your adult life, your inner child remains intact. And you have to reconnect to it. Those nine months in pregnancy, whatever amount of time you had nurturing, you have to reconnect because that's your natural self. Love, connection is who you really are. And don't let anything or anyone convince you otherwise. So how do we do that? When you're comforting someone? Obviously timing is important. You have to know how to time things and pace things. is to help to identify in the person something they really love. I've seen this. I've seen people who've suffered And are all consumed and difficult. But you know that they and you discover either you know or you find out that they love art, love music. Let's listen to some music together. No, I'm not in the mood, the person will say, Let's listen anyway. And then suddenly these things begin to trigger. In other words, try to get the person engaged in something that you know will trigger the part of them that's pre-trauma, that's pre-the-hurt. That's the rebuilding. That's how you build. You know, when you see sometimes a fire to devastate uh, a harvest, a field, you're always looking some of those sprouts, some of the seeds that have not been completely damaged to begin to rebuild upon, to begin to reconnect. So you have to find in every person that spark, it may be a human being, maybe someone that, uh, an old friend, that will bring a smile to their face. Find something in their memory, in their life, in their hobbies, in their pleasures, the things they enjoy in their history, that can get the flame burning again. That's step number three. Step number four is working with that to the next stage, what we call rebuilding. Rebuilding. So it's not just igniting or reigniting, but it's to rebuild. And this consists of taking step three and developing a program out of it. What does a program mean? You know this person really loves to help others. So get them involved in a volunteer project. Or or encourage them to get involved. Something they really enjoy. They like to write. They like to edit. They like music. They like strategizing. They like people put them in a situation, or encourage them to get into a situation, I should say is a better way of phrasing it, where they rebuild what they've reignited in step three. Rebuilding. But you see also what's happening here, is that we've moved from the comfort stage of empathy, reaching out, reconnecting, to recognition to reigniting or reuniting or rebirthing, to building. Because that's where you want to go. You don't want it just to be, oh, I'm here for you, call me anytime you need something. You want them to begin to rebuild after whatever's gone through them, because that's going to be the sustainable element, the rebuilding of something. That could be a project, it can be a business. How many projects, how many beautiful philanthropic, altruistic organizations or causes were born out of tragedy. People who lost a child to a certain disease built a whole institute of research around it. Hospitals, libraries, universities, all kinds of causes driven by the catalyst of something negative. They began to rebuild and they built. So that's step number four in this plan of rebuilding empathy. Rebuilding. And of course, this includes the comfort, but it's more than comfort. You're not just comforting the person, you might move them along, which you can also see these four steps that we discussed as progressive steps, each in its right time. When a person is in the shock of something that's happened, they need you to hold their hand. They need you just to just connect with them. And they need you to recognize. And then comes the steps where you begin to build something, where you begin to first create a, uh, a rebirth, and then a rebuilding. So this has to be timed properly, which leads us to number five. Renewal. All of this is meant to experience renewal. And renewal means not just getting back to square one as it was before the, the loss, before the trauma, before the, lo- the, the pain. But renewal means renewal. A person is now experiencing renewal. Because what's happened is that which hasn't killed me has made me stronger. they become far stronger in the, in the process. And that's our fifth step. The fifth step. Where we help a person and we encourage... that the rebuilding in step four now becomes a full renewal, person living a new type of life. I remember I was in South Africa. For some reason, there were a, a disproportionate amount of tragedies in that period of time when I was there or prior to me being there. So they made an evening. It was only for those, I mean, everyone was welcome, but the focus was people who lost a child or some type of, premature death that they've experienced in their families. Over 100 people that came, maybe even more. And, and, and most of them were people who experienced it. And I remember talking about, you know, how do you explain such a thing? How do you discuss it? And obviously, there's no answer. And what we're looking for is not why it happened, but what do we do about it, the strength. That's the thing I emphasized. And I made—I said a line somewhere in my talk that... I would have wished upon all of you that this should never have happened to you but now that it has how do we become stronger how do we experience renewal i remember a woman came over to me she had lost a child and she says you know you mentioned that you would wish it never would have happened i don't wish it never would have happened yes if it didn't happen i would have been a very happy person but now that it has i've experienced a level not just i've come to peace renewal that i would never have experienced Now, not that this woman was saying, I prefer what happened. But she was saying that she experienced renewal that was stronger than the tragedy that happened to her. It was such a powerful moment. I've shared this with many. Because what happens is there's some redemption, another R, a redemption. That you don't remain a casualty. You don't remain a casualty of war, of what has happened in the past. Even if you've gone through the the steps we spoke about, the reconnection, the recognition, the rebirth, the rebuilding, but renewal. That you have become a new type of person. That which happened has become part of your life choreography. It taught, taught, I asked her, I remember, taught her to become more sensitive, to become a leader. Many people come to her for advice. Of course, they're the pangs of pain. But the pain has been transformed, has been harnessed. The energy of the pain, the energy of the loss has been harnessed and directed and channeled into tremendous growth. I mentioned before that people in step four rebuild. They build an institution, they build an organization, they build a movement, a, a cause. But rebuilding can actually lead to renewal where it just becomes your entire life. And you're now a renewed person. Of course, you have helping thousands, if not millions of people. All as a result that was born out of the seeds of grief and loss that the person experienced. And then you come to a point where it's not about damage control and just minimizing the pain, but you've actually transformed it into renewal, redemption, And with that, we have the five steps, the five-step plan of building empathy. How to comfort and be comforted. Because it goes both ways. We need to be able to help others reach this, but we also have to know how to receive. Sometimes it can be more difficult. It can be easier to help someone else than help yourself. But the same applies to yourself as also to allow yourself to be vulnerable, to allow yourself to receive. And allow yourself to respond. I see a lot of R's coming out of my mouth. Respond, receive. To to others who are encouraging you. And actually invite them in. As much as it's incumbent on each of us to help another, but sometimes we have to invite them in. People sometimes don't want to intrude. They don't want to feel like they're intruding. So we're not standing on principle who should initiate But everybody should be thinking about it. Don't stay stuck. That's the key thing. One of the greatest challenges is staying paralyzed, stuck due to whatever has happened to you. And this brings me back to Tisha B'Av this night and tomorrow. One thing you can learn from what happened post-destruction, it was terrible. It was the destruction of a holy temple, the center of spiritual life for so many spiritually it represented the the joining of heaven and earth people were exiled displaced for thousands of years literally almost 2000 years since the second destruction destruction of the second temple by the romans and prior to that the first temple by the babylonians in addition to displacement and the loss of the temple also the many that were killed And all the upheaval that comes with that. And yet, what do you see? A people that did not disappear, despite their small numbers, despite that their own tormentors disappeared. The Roman Empire does not exist anymore, neither does the Babylonian Empire. And yet, the small people who were there, I don't want to call them victors, survivors, didn't just manage, they continued to thrive and they built. They did all these five steps. They didn't isolate themselves. They didn't withdraw and retreat. They reached out. They reconnected with each other, with God. And then they recognized. They recognized their pain. They recognized their dignity. Which goes hand in hand. Recognizing that you have value. And then they began the process of rebirth. And reuniting, reunion. And then rebuilding. And finally, renewal and redemption. It's thousands of years later, and you see it individually and collectively. So there's so much to be learned from this. As I said, it's time tested, it's not a theory. You see it after the Holocaust, you see it after other tragedies. This is something that we all can incorporate whatever it is that we're going through. And indeed, to comfort and be comforted in the most profound possible way. To the point that we transform all the pain and suffering, all the challenges of life into tremendous resources, a potent power and growth. To the point, as the Prophet says, that there shall no longer be any tears on your face because death will be eliminated, pain will be eliminated. But we'll be eliminated not just as a miracle because we've transformed it, we have harnessed it, we have drawn out from it the energy in this black hole to transform ourselves and the world around us. May we only know good things revealed. And even that which may be a setback, not so good, reveal the deeper good within that too. As the Prophet says, may these days be transformed to joy, holidays, and celebrations. Thank you so much. Simon Jacobson here, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. Check it out. Please subscribe to our growing YouTube channel, Please share with others, with your friends, with anyone you come in contact with, and I'd love to hear your feedback, thoughts, comments, suggestions, ideas. Be well and be blessed. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.